Lord Jesus, teach us to follow you in every realm of our lives, including those places where we know we need to make changes. Guide us through those changes to the place where you would have us go in developing into the people you desire us to be. In your name we pray, amen. God's peace be with you, friends. We are in uh, week three of our sermon series called A Season of Change. We've been exploring uh, what it would take to make real life change in our life. We've been exploring those changes that if we're really honest in ourselves, each and every one of us knows we need to make. There's something. There's something that we know that needs to be different about the way we live our lives. We've been learning right along that for the Christian, change is really not optional. In fact, Jesus' call to repent is a call to change. And we've been making the point that each day really is an opportunity for God-pleasing change to take place in the way we live our lives. And so we're asking, are you really ready to make that change you know you need to make? The good news today is that we don't face those changes alone. We're going to explore the value of true friends around us that help us make those changes that need to be made and changes that will last. Last week, we said that God, of course, brings His power to bear when it comes to making changes. He brings His power to bear in our lives in our baptism. And we're reminded, of course, that baptism connects us to the cross of Jesus Christ and to His resurrection. It connects us to that place where God Himself took care of our greatest problem, our sin problem, where Jesus washes away our sin and makes us His own. It connects us to His resurrection so that we too can live a brand new life in this life and a life that will last into eternity in heaven with Christ. But you know, not only do we experience forgiveness and new life in our baptism, we've also been given resurrection power to make the changes that we need to make in how we live our lives. It's not a power that's of ourselves, it's a power that comes from God. Now we also said that baptism gives us our identity as children of God. We are part of His eternal family. And that baptismal identity that we have in Christ gives us the confidence and the power to go ahead and engage change. Those changes that may appear at least difficult to begin with, but changes that we know we need to make in our individual lives. But how good it is to know that we are not alone, that God is with us, and of course with God, all things are possible. Now, as we've explained uh, for this series, we are drawing on the insights of a book by Carrie Patterson entitled Change Anything. If you haven't gotten a copy, I encourage you to consider picking it up. It's a very practical, helpful book. And of course, it's not on the same level as the Bible, but it does help us appreciate more the biblical truth that change, real change, comes from the power of Christ at work in us, at work in others, and in the world around us. Now, Patterson's book, 
provides this change matrix to help us visualize the dynamics of how real life change takes place. I don't know if you picked up your copy yet, but as you leave, I encourage you to pick up a copy of this bookmark that has that change matrix printed on it. On the other side is the reference to the last sermon series we did on transformation, and so the two really go hand in hand. You might want to just have this with you in your Bible or in your copy of the book uh, if you pick up a copy. But this particular change matrix is very helpful, very practical. It involves six sources of influence that we can and enlist in order to help us make real life changes. And as you look at the chart, you can see that the, the first column across is what we covered last week, the, that there are two of these sources of influence that are personal, personal sources of influence. The next two are social sources of influence. We're going to discuss that today. And next week, we'll cover the two structural sources of influence. So if you recall, last week, we focused on the first segment of that change matrix. We talked about personal motivation for change and then the need for personal skill and ability to make those changes. You recall that when it came to personal motivation, Sometimes when we think about a change that we know we ought to make in our life, it's a little bit daunting, maybe even undesirable or unpleasant when we think about it. But we made the point that if we think about what it would be like to actually have that change in place and the benefits that that would bring to our lives, that's a personal motivator to go ahead and do it. Or if we think about the negative consequences that may come for not making this change, that's a motivator too, to go ahead and take the first step. And we talked about the importance of investing in skill building, of learning new information on the subject related to this change and acquiring some new abilities to make the change. And the Bible verse we focused on last week was Philippians 4.13 where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But now, today's focus, change is not only about what we do individually. In fact, it has been demonstrated that if you attempt to make a major change in your behavior, changing a certain habit, whatever it is, and you try to do that on your own, you're more than likely not going to succeed. Success is increased when we have friends around us that help us and encourage us in this endeavor. You see, change is not only about what we do individually, it's also about those around us who really want the best for us and people that we can recruit to help us with our desired life change. Because real lasting change usually requires more than just those first two uh, sources of influence that we talked about last week. It takes more than just what we do personally. Today we're going to examine the second segment of the change matrix, the social motivation and the social abilities. This is where we invite other people to help us to stay on track with our goals for making change. When we talk about uh, 
social motivation and social abilities, there's an important distinct, distinction we need to make here when it comes to people that are around us. We need to make a distinction between what we might call accomplices and true friends. Accomplices are those people who they may very well be friends or even relatives of ours, maybe even people that we like pretty well, but they tend to be the kind of people who enable our bad habits. You know, if you have the bad habit of eating way too many sweets and you have a friend around who is always bringing you a new chocolate bar every day, they're not helping you make the change toward a healthier diet, are they? They're kind of enabling your bad behavior. They are accomplices in your bad habits. That's distinguished from what we might call a true friend or an ally because a true friend acts as your encourager toward the change you need to make. It's the person who is the cheerleader, who's on your team, who's looking out for your best interest and wants to help you achieve your goal of making whatever the change might happen to be. That's an important distinguish, distinction to make. And those friends that you have around you who are your cheerleaders need to be the kind of people who are willing to develop some skills in supporting your change, some abilities in being that coach, that, that cheerleader, that fan of yours, that encourager that helps you move forward. So essentially, this morning, we're asking these two questions. How do we turn those accomplices and even those antagonists to our change how do we turn them into allies and friends? How do we turn them into people who will actually get behind us and encourage us and support us? And then secondly, how do those friends then need to enhance their skills and abilities in order to support us? Think about the people in your life, the people that influence you in your daily living. Are those the people that if you wanted to make a major change in your life, that they would be on your side encouraging you, or would they be the kind that enable you to keep doing the things that you know you've got to change? Whom you choose as friends around you is significant. That's what I was going to talk about with the kids in the children's message. Who are your friends? Who do you have around you? Who has a say in what you do? Whom you choose to be on your team really does matter. And here's two insights on the social motivation and, and social ability to take home from this message. First of all, harness that peer pressure around you. Harness the peer pressure. In other words, invite those true friends to actually hold you accountable for the change that you need to make. Have a conversation with them and ask them, will you be on my team and hold me accountable for this change that I want to make this year? And lay out how they could do that for you. And then secondly, recognize that you can find strength in numbers. It has been demonstrated that if you have more true friends than accomplices 
influencing you, there's a higher uh, percentage of a success rate in that scenario than if you have more accomplices than true friends. Numbers matter, and you find strength in the number of friends that are there to encourage you. You know, when we study the life of Jesus in the New Testament, it's clear that he was and certainly still is the greatest change agent ever. In his three years of public ministry, so much of what he did was to positively influence people and bring about change in their lives. Throughout his ministry, he was calling people to change, and he would empower that change by his grace. I think of that story of today's gospel reading from Matthew chapter 9. It's the story of the calling of Matthew to be a disciple of Jesus. Think about who Matthew was for a moment. We know him, of course, as the author of the first gospel of the New Testament, a hero of the faith, a follower of Jesus. But when Jesus first came across him, he was not very well liked. Matthew was a tax collector, which was even different than the IRS today. Believe it or not, it was worse. A tax collector in the first century worked for the Roman Empire. They were Jewish, but they worked for Rome. That in itself did not set well with their fellow Jewish population. But worse than that, they would not only collect the taxes for Rome, they would collect extra money and pocket it themselves. And everybody knew that the tax collectors were ripping them off, and the people generally despised tax collectors. Matthew was a tax collector. He was not well-liked. Jesus comes along one day and calls him to be one of his disciples, one of his followers, and Matthew follows him. Matthew throws a party for Jesus and for other tax collectors and people who kind of had a public reputation as sinful people, and Jesus is there with them because he has an interest in calling people to a new way of life, bringing change where change is needed. He certainly brought change into the life of Matthew, called him to a brand new life. The Pharisees were criticizing Jesus and his disciples for associating with these kind of people. And how did Jesus respond? Did he simply write off the Pharisees? No. He engaged the Pharisees. Why? Jesus wanted to bring change to them too. Jesus called the Pharisees to change from their life of self-righteousness where they puffed themselves up about their own goodness to a life of true faith. Faith that acknowledges one's sin. Faith that acknowledges the grace of God. In most cases, the Pharisees did not heed that call to change. But Matthew did. Matthew heeded the call to change. And Jesus took him on as one of his original 12 disciples. Now think about that. Matthew went with Jesus for three years, and it wasn't simply one-on-one Matthew and Jesus. It was Matthew and 11 other guys and Jesus. I think there's something significant there. Jesus trained Matthew and the others in a group. It was really the beginnings of the Christian church. 
They learned not only directly from Jesus himself, but no doubt they held each other accountable for their changing, for their growing and their learning and their following of Jesus. Really, isn't that the role of the church? The church really is God's change agency on earth. What is the church? It's simply people. It's, it's you and me, people together, gathered around the Word of God and the sacraments for the purpose of worshiping Him and doing His mission in the world, making changes for the sake of Christ. It's not merely individuals. It's a community. It's all of us together. And God's intention, friends, is for us to be those true friends and encourages to one another, to be those coaches and cheerleaders for each other. Because let's face it, we're all struggling. And we all know that we've got something in our life that needs changing. And the likelihood of us changing on our own is very small. We need each other. We need the community. We need to be that true friend and cheerleader to one another another. And we can help each other by doing what St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians when he said, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. Sometimes that's a hard truth, but it's a truth we need to hear from someone who we know loves us and cares about us enough to not enable our bad behavior, but to say, I want to help you move forward in changing. That's the kind of friend we need to be for one another. A true friend will encourage and support the positive change that someone is trying to make and not enable their bad behavior. And what better friend could there be for you and me than someone who does that from the perspective of faith in Jesus Christ as his or her Savior? Friends, we need each other as the church to help one another. So let me just say, be the church. Be there for one another. Hold each other accountable for the greater good of positive change. This weekend, of course, we honor the memory of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., one of our true American heroes. Dr. King called for change of course, on a national and arguably an international level. But really, if you look closely, it was more a call for change in the heart, the soul, and the mind of each individual person. It was a call for each one of us to reexamine our own inner prejudices and hatreds and to change the way we think and act. And Dr. King didn't engage in this effort back in the 50s and 60s all by himself. He enlisted the help of others in the cause for justice. If you have some time this week, I'll encourage you to read, I think, what one of, is one of Dr. King's most important writings. It's entitled, A Letter from a Birmingham Jail. It's rather lengthy. You can download it, but I encourage you to read it this week. It's phenomenal. In my own opinion, it's the closest to something divinely inspired outside of scriptures. Letter from a Birmingham jail. He wrote that letter to eight pastors of churches. 
but really it's a letter to the entire Christian church. And it's a challenge to the church to stand up for what is right. He called upon everyone to be involved in this great cause of justice. Well, friends, it's a season of change for us as well. Let me just ask you, is there a change that you need to make in your own life? Don't try to do it all by yourself. Change is for symphonies, not soloists. We need each other. God has put us into a community he calls his church for a purpose, to help each other move forward in a way that will honor him. So let's turn all of our accomplices into allies. Turn all those opponents into true friends who will cheer us on to make the changes that will truly bring honor to God. Next week, we're going to explore those environmental factors that either hinder or help us in making needed changes. So I invite you to come back. Uh, Come for the finale of this series to learn about how God can help us engineer the kinds of change that will actually endure and last. Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, you are a God of change. You call us to change by your grace, and you empower that change as well. Lord, help us to be honest about the, the needs we have in our own lives for change. And then help us to surround ourselves with the kind of people that will encourage us and assist us in the task of moving forward in the change you desire. Raise up those people among us and help us as a church to be be that supportive community for one another. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.